Thank you guys so much for coming tonight. Um, my name is Craig. For those of you, I look around the room, I see some new faces. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, man, it's so gl- I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. I missed you guys so much last week. I hear Brandon did an incredible job. And it was a unique experience for me because it's the first time I've ever been away and I actually spoke to a different youth group. Don't worry. They weren't as good looking as you. They weren't as smart as you. Didn't quite get my jokes. But um, it was fun. And it made me really appreciate you guys. And so I remember that night after I got done, I was like, I miss a merge. I love you guys. That was a aw moment. Oh, thank you so much. But it's good to be back. To say all that to say it is great to be back. And tonight, man, I am so excited. We are starting a new series because we've talked about a lot this year. 2010, we've tackled some pretty serious issues. We've dealt with sex. The room gets quiet. We've dealt with marriage. We've dealt with divorce. We've even talked about certain issues regards to our faith. Can I get another microphone? The end of this is about to fall on the floor. And so tonight, what we're going to talk about is something completely different. And to my knowledge, it's something that we have never talked about in Emerge history. We're going to talk about money. Hello. Yes, I like this better. It brings the manliness back into my voice. And yes, I need a microphone to sound manly. Back off. Tonight, we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about the Benjamins, the clams, the bones, the skrilla, the dead presidents. You guys know what I'm talking about. We are talking about money. Now, tonight, you are going to hear me preach. You are going to hear me preach what might be the least spiritual message you've ever heard here at Emerge Youth Church. But tonight, I believe I'm going to say some things that are going to literally revolutionize your life. I'm going to say some things tonight that will change the outcome of your life because I believe that money is a very, 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 very powerful thing. It has the potential to ruin marriages. It has the potential to kill your purpose in life. It has the potential to suck away all of your hope. Money is a very, very powerful thing. And so for the next two weeks, we're going to teach you some very simple, very practical biblical principles about what the Bible tells us about money. And we're also going to teach you guys how to be good stewards of the blessings that God has given each and every one of us. So before I go on, I want to say one quick thing to all the youngsters in the house. Now, all of you guys who are juniors and seniors and maybe a couple of you ambitious sophomores, right now, you're engaged. You're thinking, Craig, I am with you. I'm tracking. We're talking about money because this is your life. You're driving a car. You have to pay insurance. You have to make car payments. You're applying for colleges. You're thinking, how in the world am I going to cover tuition? How am I going to cover rent? What am I going to do in my life? So this is right in your kitchen. But for all of you 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth graders in the house, you could so easily think, oh, this is so dumb. My mom gives me all the money I need to get my ears pierced at Claire's and go see a movie. You think you guys, you don't, you don't worry about, you don't worry about finances because you don't have any money. You're in sixth grade. But here, get this. Get this. Don't miss this. It would be 
a travesty if you younger people in this room tonight don't pay attention to what I'm saying. Because once again, what I'm going to say tonight will literally change each and every one of your lives if you pay attention. I believe there's going to be a person in this room that becomes a millionaire because of what I say tonight. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Well, it's not going to be you. I'm just kidding. I wasn't even looking at anyone. So tonight, to prove the importance of money management, I want to show you something. Tonight, I want to show you this. In my pocket is a very crisp $10 bill. How many of you would like this $10 bill? Yeah, I bet you would. Back off. I'm just kidding. This is a lot of money for some of you guys. I mean, this is a lot. I know how guys think. They see a $10 bill, and they think that is 10 double cheeseburgers at McDonald's. You could eat off of this at school for two days. You could go to AMC for me, and I could watch one movie for this. That's a lot of money. This is some of you, this is your weekly allowance. Get this. And no, that's not a magic trick. For some of you guys, as I was looking around the room, you saw what I just did. You are blown away. I just blew your mind. You're thinking, no, don't, don't rip the money. This is what your face is like. No, don't do it. Is that real? You're thinking, I would rather microwave a cat than rip a $10 bill. I know how you guys are. Well, it's just a cat. It's a dog without a brain. <laughs> Who cares? You are blown away. As I was looking across the room, you start to get that painful feeling in your gut. You're like, oh, no, don't rip that, Craig. I need that money. I need that $10. You would never in your life, and you will never in your life, do what I just did. But you know what? Do you know what the sad reality is tonight? Statistically speaking, the majority of you in this room will flush away thousands upon thousands of dollars in credit card debt, in interest, and you won't even blink an eye. It won't even phase you. You will waste so much money, and you will be unaffected. But yet we stand here tonight, and we literally feel the pain of a $10 bill. Because sadly tonight, I want to tell you something. You've been lied to your entire life. You've been brainwashed with this idea of consumption. You deserve something now. Do you want that? Go get it. Because what I'm going to do for the next couple moments is I'm going to begin to paint a picture, and I'm going to paint it with a very broad brush of the life of an 18-year-old. Because something miraculous happens when you're 18 years old. When you're 17 and below, the banks could care less about you. Oh, that's cute. Your grandma gave you another $25 bond. 
Sure, put it in the savings account. You're cute. They don't care about you. You don't make them any money. But the day you turn 18, something magical happens. You start getting these very fancy envelopes in the mail. Some of you already know what I'm talking about. Because before, the only time you got mail was on your birthday, and you just looked to see if there was money in it. If there wasn't, you threw it away. (laughs) But now, now you begin to get mail every single week. And you open it up, and you begin to see these catchphrases. Congratulations. You qualify. You have been selected for our double platinum miles card. Congratulations, you were chosen for our exclusive Macy's card, Victoria's Secret credit card. And you begin to think, I must be someone special. They chose me. There's something special about me because I was qualified. And so you begin to read the fine print and you begin to read, so this credit card, I have a $250 limit. Or this card, I have a $500 limit. Or this card, I have a $1,000 limit. And now I can go get stuff. I don't have any money, but now I have credit cards. So I can go out and buy stuff that I don't have money for because I have a plastic card that is the illusion of money. So you become 18, you get these cards, you don't know how to handle them, and you begin to go to college. Throughout the four years that students are at college, on average, you will accrue $1,000 in credit card debt. 1000 bucks on average. Then you go to college. Several of you guys, you don't know what to do. You want to, your friends are all going off to uh, universities, some private, some state. You want to go. You don't have any money, so you begin to take out these student loans. And you go, and you go for four years. Sometimes some of you will work. Some of you will live off your loans. And by the time you graduate college, the average student has $20,000 in college debt. All right? So you guys, let's say, how many juniors and seniors do we have in the house? Okay, so for those of you guys, in five years, on average, you will each be $21,000 in debt. Are you tracking with me? Then you're going to graduate, and the lucky ones, although that you have these school bills that are going to be with you for so long, you're going to think they're a pet, and you have this credit card debt kind of looming because you haven't paid it off because you don't have any money, the lucky ones of you will get a job. And if you get a good job, you're going to think you are big time. You're going to get a job making $30,000 a year. And that number blows some of your minds. You're like, $30,000 a year. I'm in the money. You know what I'm talking about. That's a lot of money to you guys. So you think, I'm a big shot now. Maybe I'm a teacher. Maybe I'm an accountant. I have an entry-level position in a cubicle. I'm making good money. I need a car that just screams, unprofessional. So you go out, and you're not going to drive some hoopty. You need a new car. You need a reliable car to get you to work. So new car, on average, for people your age, when you graduate college, you're going to go out and buy a car for around $20,000. You're not going to have any money, so you're not going to put any money down. You're going to qualify for a loan because you'll qualify. Trust me. You'll get a car for $20,000, and then you'll have a car payment approximately $400 a month, but then you have to buy insurance. So you've got your car, you've got your job, you're sitting at work, you've got your school loans, you've got your credit card debt, and then this girl that's worked across from you, or guy, that you've been working with, for some reason today she's got that certain twinkle in her eye. And your eyes meet and you know, this woman's mine. (laughs) She is mine. I am 
in love. It is love at first sight. So you begin to date this person, and you decide we need to get married. I looked this up yesterday. The average wedding cost in Lee Summit, Missouri, is $17,534. So maybe you go a little bit higher. Maybe you go a little bit lower. Maybe you're lucky enough to have some parents who help you out. Maybe not. And you want that honeymoon. You don't want to go to, uh, I don't know, Grain Valley for your honeymoon. You want to go somewhere nice. You want to go somewhere tropical. So you borrow a little bit more money. At this point, you probably can't borrow much more credit-wise. So maybe you borrow from parents and relatives. So you get married, and you come back home, and something happens. You begin to go through the bills, and you pay it off. First one's first, credit card payment. Minimum balance, pay it off. School debt, school loan, minimum payment, pay it off. And then you also, I skipped this one, but most of you will buy a house because you don't want to be a weird renter. You think, oh, those renters are weird. They, they kind of smell funny. I don't really understand them. I need to get a house. I need to pursue the American dream, right? And on average, a house costs, for most people who buy starter homes, they're around eighty dollars to $100,000 a, a year. Or not a year, eighty dollars to $100,000. And so your mortgage payment is going to be approximately seven dollars to $800. So you're sitting down in your house like with your wife and you're going through credit card bill, pay it off, school loan, pay it off, mortgage, pay it off, car payment, pay it off. And something happens where you realize we're out of money, even though I was making $30,000 a year. We're out of money, but yet there's still bills. And what was once um, feelings of puppy love, feelings of emotion and happiness, they slowly begin to erode into worry. They slowly begin to erode into couples fighting, panic, fear. 52% of all couples that get married in North America will divorce. The number one cause of divorce is money issues. Of those couples who divorce in the first seven years, get this, 90% of them say that money caused the divorce. So you say, Craig, money's really not that important. Yes, it is. Craig, money, the things that you're going to talk to me about tonight, aren't necessarily a spiritual matter. Yes, they are. If you mismanage your money, I'm going to tell you right now, it will ruin your life. If you go with the flow with your money. It will ruin your life. You guys need to start being intentional and you need to become educated about how the system works so you don't become a slave to the banks. I want to show you an interesting verse. It's found in Proverbs 22, 7, and it says this, a rich person rules poor people and a borrower, a borrower is slave to the lender. It's amazing what you find when you open up this Bible. It's amazing. You begin to read in here and you find hundreds of verses in regards to money management, truths on how to manage our finances. But yet we don't read. We don't pay attention. We just go with the flow. And in church, 
doesn't talk, it doesn't sound spiritual, so we don't talk about money. But it is one of the most significant decisions you're ever going to make. And so, guys, I want to just, for the next couple minutes, give you guys some very, very practical wisdom. Number one, let's break down this scenario that we created. Credit cards. Do you know what credit cards are? They're stupid. Don't get a credit card. You guys at your age have no business getting a credit card. When I was your age, I had no business getting a credit card. I was stupid. I will talk a little bit more next week about all of the poor financial decisions I made. I couldn't handle a credit card. This is very easy. You know how you stay out of credit card debt? Number one, you don't get a credit card. And number two, you don't get things unless you have the money to pay for them. These are very simple, but yet no one does this. So we can easily stay away from credit cards. Number two, college loan. This one's a little more tricky. Some people have to get loans to go through college. I believe that. So I'm not going to sit here and say college loans are stupid, they're evil. But for so many of you guys, you don't realize that there's opportunities available to you right now that weren't even available when I was in high school. A plus didn't exist when I was in high school. Some of you guys have the opportunity to go to community college for two years absolutely free. The school I went to my freshman and sophomore year, it charges $24,000 a year. So if I had A+, plus, I would have saved myself $48,000. That's two years of college. Use it. Unless God is specifically calling you to a certain place, I believe he will provide for you. If not, be smart. Work through college. Don't live off your college loans. I am married to a woman who worked her butt off in college, came out with zero dollars in debt. But it wasn't easy. You can minimize your debt if you, if you actually are willing to work. Second thing, a car. This is the one you guys struggle with. This is the one I struggled with. Because we all want the fancy car. We all want the rims. We want to impress that person we pull up next to for five seconds as if anyone really cares. When I was 21 years old, my car payment and my insurance was 60% of my salary. That's stupid. And so many of us fall into that same trap. We want to buy the same car. We want to go into debt. You know what? I love what Dave Ramsey says. If you have a car to get you to point A and point B, drive it as long as you can. But then if you really, really want a car, this is what you do. You make a car payment to yourself. How crazy is this idea? You take $300 and you put it in the bank every month. And after a year, $3,600. You guys are worrying me. $3,600. So you go out and you buy with cash a $3,600 car. You know what something freaky is? Do you know how much value a car loses when it pulls off the lot brand new? 20%. Let's say that you want to go out and just get a, a very normal car, a, a Ford Taurus. You pay $20,000 for it. You drive off the lot. It's now worth $16,000. You've lost $4,000 in a matter of minutes. You are now officially upside down in your car, meaning that you owe more on it than the car is worth. That's how the system works. They set you up to fail. They want to steal your money because they think you're dumb. 
So you save $3,600. You go out and you buy a car. It might have some funny smells. It might have an 8-track player. But you drive it for a year. You continue to make $300 payments after another year. You sell that car. Because that's the beauty of an old car. It doesn't really lose its value because it's already lost all the value from the poor person who bought it before you. So you sell that car. Then you go out and buy a $7,200 car. This car might even have leather seats, compact disc player, a sunroof, four wheels. I mean, now you're really rolling. And if you want a nicer car, you can continue to do that. And you know how much money you lose to interest? Zero dollars. It's amazing if we just get smart about what we're going to do. A wedding. If you guys are lucky enough to have parents who want to pay for your wedding, do it. Spend a lot of their money. Have an amazing wedding. Go on a ridiculous vacation. Do it. But if you don't, do not go in debt on your marriage, on your wedding. I had a friend, one of my best friends. He was talking to me, and he said, Craig, my wife and I, we really wanted a nice, a nice wedding. We didn't have the money, so we put it on credit cards. He said, we got back from our honeymoon, and it was one of the biggest strains. We started off our marriage. That was the first decision we made as a married couple to go into debt. And he said, it has affected us still today, years later. You know what? Everyone wants a nice honeymoon. But you know, save the money, go to Branson. Ladies, can I be honest with you? The guys don't care where they're going as long as there's a hotel room. (laughs) I'm just going to be straight up. We could never even leave the room for the first week. We'll be all right, even if it's in Branson, old person Las Vegas. Wherever you want to go, save money, be smart. And if you really want to go on that honeymoon, save up and go a couple years down the road. No interest. Because this is the beauty of credit cards. They say that you can loan, you can borrow money, and you don't have to make a payment for three months. You don't have to make a payment for a year. But you know what they do to you after you don't pay it off in that year time? They charge you all the interest from the past year and stick a 23% interest rate on you. When you've actually paid it off, you've paid two, three, four, sometimes even as much as 10 times what that item was really worth. Lastly, lastly, house. This, is gonna, this, was, this blew me away. Because so many, many of us, we are taught to pursue the American dream. We want a house. We want the white picket fence. And when we get enough money, we don't want to be one of those weird renters, right? That's what I always said. I don't want to be a weird renter. I don't understand those people. I need to get a house. I need to get established. And our situation was a little different because of Laura having a, uh, her own business. But I want to create a scenario for you guys. We're going to have two couples. We're going to have couple A and couple B. Couple A says, we've got to get into a house now. Couple B says, you know what? We're going to get, we're going to rent for a while. Couple A is very proud of themselves. They've got into a nice entry-level home. They pay $1,000 a month mortgage. Do you know how much of your payment the first couple years goes to interest in a home? 90%. Meaning, if you pay $1,000 to the bank on your house, do you know how much of your house you actually pay off? $100. So you can have a $100,000 home for one year, pay the bank $1,000. So you think $100,000 minus $12,000, I would owe $88,000 on my home, right? Wrong. You just paid the bank almost eleven grand, 
And after that year of paying your mortgage, you still owe $98,800. They do that to you for years. But then let's go back over to couple B. They decided they were really going to sacrifice. They were going to live in a stinky apartment. There was rats. There was fungus. They paid $400 a month rent. But they decided they're going to be disciplined. And we're going to pay. They both make the same income. But they're going to pay $600 into savings every month. Pay rent, $400, $600 to savings. So 6 times 12 is $7,200. Do you know how much they pay off on their house when they put $7,200 down? $7,200. So couple A, because they're awesome and live in a house, have paid off $1,200. Couple B, $7,200. Think about it, guys. It's a scam. Now, I want to throw out a disclaimer. I live in a house, okay? I drive a pretty nice car. So am I saying that any of these things are bad? No. But what I'm saying is you need to be smart with the money that you have. So many of you, an author said that the average person, once they get out of college, spends the first five to seven years of their life trying to maintain the standard of living of their parents, even though it took their parents 35 years to get there. And they end up becoming slaves to debt, slaves to debt. But guys, I want to tell you tonight that God's plan for you is not that. God's plan for you, I see it time and time again, people who go into the ministry, but they have to drop out because they can't afford to live. They become so consumed with debt. The enemy wants to use something simple and practical like debt to destroy God's plan for your life. Did you know that? I want to read to you a verse. It's found in Luke eight fourteen, and it says this, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And as the band starts making its way up tonight, I want you guys to realize this one thing. Tonight I've talked about a lot of poor financial decisions, and I don't stand up here and judge. I made almost every single one of these mistakes. But God is gracious. And God has a plan for each and every one of your lives. And even though I talked about all of these horrible decisions, I want you to get this one thing. That each and every one of those poor financial decisions pale in comparison to this. The worst financial decision you could ever make would be to refuse to give God the portion of your money which is rightfully his. And in church, we call this a tithe. And it's a fancy word that means this, tenth. Tithe means tenth. It says in the Bible in Malachi 3.10, It says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Did you guys catch that? Test me in this. This is the only time in the Bible God says, test me. See what happens. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out so much blessing upon you, there will not be room enough for it. See, guys, for those of you who don't know, it's all right because we've never taught this before. God calls us to give 10% of our income, not after taxes are taking out. God calls you to give 10% of everything you own, your salary. I don't, mar- I don't care if you're a 13-year-old kid in here who gets a $10 allowance. Give God that $1. Because you know what? That money is his anyway. And he has so graciously allowed us, he has so graciously poured his blessing upon us, all he asks for is for us to give that 10% back 
to him. I had another friend I was talking to, and he was married, he had a kid, and he was, he was going through a tough time in life. Um, his marriage was, um, it was a really tense. Him and his family were living off food stamps. And I went and stayed with him for a while, and it was just so sad. I could just tell it when I looked into his eyes, the joy had been literally sucked out. And it came to my attention that he wasn't tithing. As the band plays softly behind me. And I challenged him. I said, man, you've got to begin to give Jordan what is his. You've got to begin to give God what is his. And he looked at me and he said, Craig, I can literally look you in the eye and I can tell you if I pay this tithe, I can tell you what bills I'm not going to pay. I can tell you that I'm not even going to be able to buy food for my baby. And I said, trust me. I know it's hard. I know it's scary, but you need to step out in faith and you need to give. So two days later, I stood with him as he wrote that first check and he dropped it in the envelope, fear in his eyes, gripping him. But he said, I'm going to be faithful. Two days later, he received $20 unexpectedly. The next week, $300 was dropped in his lap unexpectedly. Two weeks later, he, they went out to eat with a couple in their church. They just handed him a check for $350. We just felt God was wanting us to give this to you. A month later, his wife, who had been searching for a job for nine months, gets a job. And now they make, he said, we basically got a raise by 115%. And he was talking to me later, and he's got so much joy. He said, I just can't believe how tough our life's been if I could have only just believed in this promise earlier. Because it's real. And I want you guys to get this. It would be a shame if you walked out of here thinking that if I go ahead and I'm faithful and I give God my 10%, that he's going to throw all this money in my lap. Yeah, I'm not guaranteeing you that. But what I will guarantee you is what this verse says, is that God will throw his blessing upon you. And can I tell you, that's one of the best places in the world to be right smack dab in the center of his blessing. You might pay your tithe check and you might never never get that money back. But do you know in my 26 years of existence, the one thing I've never heard anyone say, Craig, I really just wish I still had that money from that tithe check I made. I really wish I wouldn't have given God so much. Because when we step out in faith, he blesses us. He will bless you. And you know, tithing is not an issue of money. It's an issue of faith. And I believe as a Christian, as a pastor, we can't say that we truly love and trust God if we refuse to tithe. Did you catch that? If you refuse to give God what is rightfully his, we can't say that we truly love him because we don't trust his work into our lives.